Pages of Pim Better Podcast. Travelers, adventurers, voyagers, those who are wild, those who are mad, those who squeeze every drop of life out of this existence, those seeking truth, love, direction, purpose. This is the Voyages of Tim Vetter Podcast. Whether you're a faithful listener or whether you're a first-time listener, I really greatly appreciate you. Thank you for listening, and thank you for coming on this ride with me. Today, I had a wonderful conversation with just a gem of a human being, Mike Greenfield. Mike is one half of the brother duo, The Brothers Green. They have a web series and a television series in which they do cooking videos and cooking techniques and tips, and they're so full of life and personality, and they have such a great appreciation for the craft of, of cooking and sharing food with people and being able to provide sustenance for people. It's amazing. I've been a fan of their content for a while. We talk about uh, when I initially first saw them like seven, eight years ago, and so uh, Mike or Josh or both of them have been at the the top of my list of people to talk to because I think they're so interesting and, and so fun. And this was great. I had so much fun. Uh, Mike invited me over to his apartment here in Brooklyn to film. So I had seen it many times in their videos. It is where it's the kitchen that you see in all their cooking videos. And, uh, you know, to invite a total stranger into your home, uh, basically just on, on, on faith and, and trust uh, is amazing. And we had a really awesome conversation I also got to leave Mike's apartment with some amazing, crusty, delicious, right out of the oven sourdough bread, which I just destroyed here with some brie cheese. So thank you, Mike. That was delicious. It was a cool little perk of doing this episode. Um, yeah, there's so much to, to that you can glean from this episode. I think one of the things that I really wanted to hammer home is just if you have a dream or a desire or even a hobby you want to seek, or something you want to do, or a person you want to talk to, just do it. Create a plan and and put it into action. I'm not promising you that everything's going to go right and you're going to find great success. You know, I don't believe in the secret or anything like that. But I do think that your attitude and your drive and the work that you're going to put in greatly dictate outcomes. I mean, for me, this is, again, I talk about this all the time. Mike is someone that I'm fascinated by and interested in, and here I am hanging out with him, you know, kind of like we're old friends having a great conversation, conversation, and now I quite literally broke bread with him, and this is now someone that's part of my life, and we have this awesome conversation. conversation. I can really put words together here, can I? This awesome conversation that we can share with you and hopefully you can be inspired by, you know, you can learn from, and maybe this will help to motivate you to get out there and do the thing that you've been wanting to do, but you've been afraid to do so. Listen, there's, there's been a lot of times even throughout the, the life of the early life of this podcast, cause it's still quite young where it's like, I just got home from work. I'd rather sit on the couch with some food and put my feet up and check out Netflix while still wanting that end goal of a cool conversation or some success through the podcast or something like that. You know, sometimes you have to put comfort aside and safety and put your fear aside 
to make something amazing and beautiful happen for you. So that's kind of the theme that uh, runs throughout this episode. But we also get into some really cool tidbits and anecdotes about the history of the Brothers Green, where Mike is going because he's going in an individual direction and he's got something really, really exciting to share with you. And we get to that in this episode. So if you are a Brothers Green fan and you are checking out this episode for the first time because you are a fan of Mike and Josh, well, thank you. Really greatly appreciate you for tuning in. Uh, As always, everybody, share this with people if you like it. Uh, If you don't like it, okay, cool. On to the next one, I guess. But if you like it, uh, star reviews really help a lot. Um, Ratings and things like that. They help for a number of reasons, but... When you subscribe, it um, there's algorithms. And even if you go onto iTunes, you'll see people that subscribe to this also subscribe to other things and check those out. So if someone's subscribing to those and then also subscribing to mine, maybe someone new will find out about the Voyages of Tim Better through that. So very simple. If you do dig it, a way you can help out is just a star review and a rating and a comment or something like that. As always, you can shoot me an email. I love having conversations with people. Uh, it's been so amazing. I mean, the last episode I dropped with was with uh, Kunilla, who is living in Phnom Penh. And at the end of that conversation, we talked, and yeah, Tim, if you ever come through Cambodia again, which I am, you know, come see me, and I'll show you around. I had this amazing uh, Muay Thai fighter, Lin, on a, a few episodes back, and now I'm talking about if I'm coming through Phuket, you know, it will show you around. So these connections I've been able to make are wonderful and beautiful. And, you know, emails from listeners really get me excited. And I love to interact with you and to, to hear about you and to learn about you. You've, you've learned a lot about me and the, the guests that I've had on here. But I'm interested in you too. So, yeah, shoot me an email, thevoyagesoftimvetter at gmail.com. And check out my travels and the cool things that have been going on at my Instagram, thevoyagesoftimv, uh, not podcast related, but last week, was it? Last week. About a week and a half ago, I was given an award through my work in education at the Barclays Center, and I got to stand center court and receive this award while they read my name out on the, uh, what is it, the loudspeaker, I guess. (laughs) And uh, I was up on the screen and everything. Man, how cool is that? How exciting is that? That was a trip. Uh, so you can see pictures of that and some of my crazy travels and adventures and my friends and things like that. So check out the IG also. All right, everybody. Really hope you enjoy this one. Uh, yeah, that's it. Cool. Enjoy it. One of the things that I want to say to you is congratulations, because recently you hit a million YouTube subscribers, yeah. which is massive. Yeah, thank you. I checked again today, and it's a million seventeen thousand. So, like to me, even seventeen thousand is nothing to turn your nose up at. So that's that's insane. <laughs> well, you know, man. the thing is, that's really funny about social media is that. Like, I'm starting a new page right now. I'm starting my Instagram, and I have ten thousand. So, like. 
you know, people put in such a, and it's like a lesson relearned as I start again, because you put in such a, an effort to like get to a number. It's like, you know, like this is going to make me something, this is going to make me successful, but it really doesn't like, it's nice because people can look at it and be like, whoa, you're accomplished. But as far as like internal value, it doesn't really add as much as you'd probably think rather than like just like when I put out videos in the beginning, it, you know, I enjoyed them just as much. Um, it's more like external, I guess, like other people can look at it and be like, Oh, cool. Maybe we'll, you know, work with you. Or yeah. I mean, I'm sure that matters a great deal if you're pitching something and people want to see that you have a following. Cause if they're investing money in you. Yeah. I don't like to think of it like that, but it's true. Like you can't deny that. Like currently I'm, I'm pitching a new TV show and like, I want to start something new and, but you know, the producers are like, we got a pitch that you have this huge following because it's like, cool that you did that. And it shows them that like, you can, you know, play this social media game. So like as, as much as I don't want to like attach to it, it is something real. Yeah. I think, well, listen, I doubt anybody's tuning in. Well, maybe I take that back. Maybe someone's tuning in that doesn't know you. Yeah. With the content that you guys put out, you cover so much stuff and so much about you guys personally and, and your origins and things like that. But just to give people a little bit of uh, some context yeah, and some background. Yeah, that makes sense yeah. rather than like, <laughs> oh, we're just talking about this guy's following on social media. So uh, Mike Greenfield, uh, Mike and Josh have put out an extensive amount of content um, and we'll get into what all of that is, but essentially revolving around cooking. And so I guess to start out, uh, for you early in life, like what are your earliest memories of food and like, like where did your appreciation for food start? Oh, that's, that's a good question. Um, you're off to a great start. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, the, the number one, the number one thing for me, like the, I guess the beginning memories were definitely cooking for my friends. Like I used to have sleepovers mm. and I was the kid that would like wake up early and make bacon, egg and cheese sandwiches for like everyone there. So like there was always something and that's what's interesting about cooking is that, you know, we try to, we try to break people's fears of the kitchen, but at the same time, like you do have to find something you love in it. If you're going to do it, not everyone likes cooking. Like I, I think it's integral to life, but you know, you got to feed yourself, but not everyone like falls in love with it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, you know, I was the kid that basically my friends would come over for a sleepover and I'd be making, I'd wake up early and make breakfast sandwiches for all of them. So there was something inside of me that liked it, but it didn't, you know, it didn't get reignited till a little later on. My mom was always a pretty, um, pretty poor cook. Um, not that she was a poor cook, like she cooked for us, but she just didn't love it. And, you know, food is really about love. It's like, if you're going to make good food, it's about love. And she just didn't have it. So I think we started making some of our own food just because anything with a little bit of love involved was going to taste better than like what she was just trying to like, you know, give us to survive. So there was a little (laughs) bit more cooking towards like the end of high school. And then I took a trip to, um, took a trip to, 
Australia. And at that time I, I was abroad there and, you know, I was away from college, away from like my bubble of life that I grew up in, away from the major that I was in. And, you know, I was just kind of more free to do what I wanted and I was cooking a lot. And then when I came back from there, that was like the spark of like, oh, I really enjoy, I really enjoy doing this and I think I want to do this for a while. So early in life when you were cooking for your friends, you were completely self-taught? Yeah, I've always been self-taught. I mean, ultimately someone's teaching you, but not in a professional setting, not in a school so for my brother and I both, we always just, you know, we had a lot of like food network influence, mm. um, just going to different restaurants. We, we like grew up with a lot of Asian fusion stuff. So that's like a big part of my, um, of my cuisine now. Like I kind of grew up going out to restaurants that were, you know, like right when that sort of Asian fusion scene was starting up, when people were kind of mixing things up and flaring it, flaring it up. So a lot of inspiration from that. And, you know, just kind of learned on my own and, yeah, took it from there. Well, you just mentioned the Food Network, and I believe it's the, like, the intro video for your YouTube page. You guys talk about it, and, like, your, your love and appreciation for what you do in food is awesome. Like, it's, mm. it's really admirable. Yeah, but you talk about, like, yeah, you know, we grew up watching um, chefs on TV and some of these personalities, and it kind of went stale, after a while, and, and we what we want to do is put out something that's informative and also entertaining, which I think you do quite well. Who who were some of the people that you were watching when you were younger that you draw influence from? Yeah, I mean that was such a. It's interesting because we kind of grew up in that time of food TV. That there was always. I mean, there wasn't always food TV, but there was food TV in the '70s that mm -hmm. was big. There's Julia Child's Child, yeah. and some other big, you know cooks but as far as like you know the the 90s and the 2000s of the of the food network that was when food became popular that's when food became like a cool thing and there were like male chefs and stuff and guys like emerald mm. um tyler florence bobby flay a little bit jamie oliver all those guys i even like rachel ray like you know just simple home cooking I looked up to all of them, and that's where I got a lot of inspiration. Yeah, we, we're at like a, an interesting point in our culture and our like our evolution in the sense that, on the one hand, you have this like we're heading toward. You've seen the movie Wally. Yeah, oh, like one uh, of my it, favorites. Yeah, in one regards, we're heading towards that where you're just like sitting in a chair and food yeah. shoveled in your mouth because everything's so fast paced. And also, like more importantly about that movie, heading towards a world where we're just trashing the world. Yeah. Like I think that's like the underlying, like that's happening that no one wants to talk about that. We're just like, yeah, the world we're just, we're dumping trash and there's no way to like really it, it's happening at such a pace that one day there will be a Wally world where like, where's the green? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is interesting to me because yeah, on the one, on the one hand, Food isn't valued in a communal sense as much anymore because we're so busy. Mm. And that's one thing through traveling I've seen like, oh, wow, like in Vietnam, you're not eating alone. You're getting together with your friends. But then on the other hand, with content such as like the stuff that you're putting out or like just the real popular people like, like even Action Bronson or Maddie Matheson. Yeah. Uh, there are also people who are making it really exciting and fun. So it is cool to see at least I guess for, for young people, it's heading back in the direction of uh, 
it's educational. It's fun. You should love your food. Uh, so yeah, kudos to you for being yeah, involved. No, in I, that. I think. Um yeah, I mean, the col- the culture we grew up in is crazy. Like, I think I'm starting to look at, you know, that time, like our parents' generation where sort of factories took over cooking. And I don't think food, I think, you know, there are still, that is happening to a maximum degree. And that obviously could change, but I don't know if it will ever be like it was. Like, we're recovering from a time where, you know, post-war where these factories basically took over all of the cooking and it's like it's like technology now it's we don't really know the the effect it's just in our life like it, we haven't had like the the drawback of it like oh what's social media doing to us long term because it just happens and that's the same thing with food with our parents like they were just marketed food in their face and it was supposed to be easier. So they went right. for it and everything kind of dissolved all the, all of like the downsides, um, that they didn't understand at the time started coming out like lack of community, lack of healthier food. And I, we're like recovering now. So it's interesting. It's still like trending towards, um, you know, that type of food, big factories making your food, trusting supermarkets, whatever it is. But there is this whole other like movement that is happening, which is cool. And that really like was small and it's growing and it's becoming this big movement back to community food, back to just home cooking, cooking for your family. And that's like, we've always been not always, to be honest, but I've I've gained so much more interest in that sector of my career than anything. Mm-hmm. As I like, you know, talking about Food Network, when I grew up, I think I wanted to be more like, oh, a big, you know, popular chef. And then I realized, like, no, I actually like what I care about is, you know, getting people inspired to cook for themselves. That's awesome. Yeah, and, and with the with the Wally analogy, so you mentioned sort of heading towards like a, a wasteful type of a culture. Yeah. I just saw the movie, uh, the documentary Wasted. Do you, have you heard of that? That's, uh, I, you know, it's funny because I was watching Rotten, which okay, is yeah. like another one. I was like, is that the one? I, I don't think I've seen that. Okay, I'm sure it's pro- there's probably similarities. Yeah. It was produced or uh, it was directed by Nari Kai who did production work for No Reservations. Got it. And it has like Bourdain's in it, uh, Danny Bowen. But when I was going through all your videos, I saw a really strong connection there because a lot of the videos that you and Josh do are like, what do I have here in my fridge? What do I do with my leftovers? What do I do with some of the weird bits bits of the food that I have? Um, Is that something that you guys were consciously thinking of? Like we wanted show people how to also be ethical with food and not waste things? I think, you know, it was just a natural evolution because we never were restaurant guys Mm. um, from the start. That world just like we didn't fit into that world. So it just became like home cooking. And truthfully, you know, that was our life. Like when I moved to New York and we were starting a business, we were broke and we were also creating this cooking show. So you know, ultimately it was, um, it was survival at that point. Mm. So a lot of it, like, you know, and Josh kind of always had a, a really cool, um, way of looking at things where he was always trying to go back in time a bit and to 
remind himself where he was when he started cooking. Because if you jump into something and you just say, okay, this is what I'm making right now, you might lose a big chunk of people who just aren't on that level. That's like the ego saying like, well, you know, I'm this awesome cook now, Mm. check this out. But when you're trying to inspire people to get in the kitchen, you know, it does take a little bit of a reminder of, well, what, what happened when you were like beginning your journey? What were you cooking? So like all of those decisions were really just coming from what we had gone through in our life, which was like using leftovers and like, that's real shit. That is, you know, that's the way it goes. Yeah. And it's quite like a lot of your content is, is real practical. Like, Hey, you're a college kid. This is what you might have laying around. What can you do so that it's not boring? It's still exciting and fun and you get creative with it. Um, I really love too. uh, m- it might've been both of you, but I saw Josh did like how to make fast food at home and you think it's going to be cheaper, but you can actually do it on a budget. So it's cheaper at home and it's better for you and yeah. it's tasty. Yeah, no, that was just a way of kind of, you know, a, a reminder of like, you can, you can still have those flavors, but it just takes a little effort. And that's, that's the key. It's like, getting people over that, whatever, their fears. There's there's so many setbacks when it comes to the kitchen because when you grow up in a culture that isn't, you know, isn't evolved at this point to cook at home, like no one's really, you know, you're not in the kitchen with your grandma anymore, like learning. There's there's not much of that going on anymore. So it's it's got to like, you got to kind of trick people into, or not trick them, but like, what? how are we going to get you in the kitchen? So maybe that is saying, you know, well, okay, if we recreate this fast food burger that you'd probably be getting, maybe that's like an incentive or enticing en- enough to to get in the kitchen. So it's just like little ways to to bring people into home cooking. I mean, that's brilliant. I'm wondering, like, what is that creative process like then? Like, I know we're going to discuss maybe some changes that are going on with the content and the business side of things, but like up to this point, is it, are you constantly experimenting? Are you jotting down ideals all day, like bouncing them back and forth? Because you have so much, so much content. Yeah, no, I mean, we live in a weird world. And I think one of the, one of the things that I've been going through recently is uh, shifting away from the world of just constant content, because, Mm -hmm. you know, you're, when you're a creative person, like you're just, I I was listening to this podcast the other day and they're talking about creativity and how like, it's not all this like just wondrous, like, Oh, art. And like, it's beautiful. It's like, it's like a nagging inside of you to like solve an issue. So when you're like free to be creative, it's just a constant, like there's always something you could be solving. It's like Mm -hmm. solving a problem. And when it comes to YouTube and putting out content on YouTube, there's no like filter. There's no like stop and start. It's like, oh, okay, what am I working on this week? Oh, I just figured out this really cool trick for like, you know, making bread. I'm going to, I want to, you know, put that on YouTube. So there's an idea. I film, I film that, I edit that, you know, I put it out, I see what people think. And now I've lived a whole nother week. And now there's another idea that came to me just like from living. It's just like, so I'm trying to, at this point in my career, actually break away from like too much of that process because it is too um, freeform. And I find that you, you, you get caught up in like the safety of just like 
putting out content. Uh, I don't know if that even answers your question, but it's, it's just something that I've kind of noticed for myself. No, I get that entirely. I mean, we're kind of like, we're kind of living in a black mirror episode or something where it's like, so with something like Insta stories or Snapchat, every single person with a phone is a content creator and just going, here I am now walking to the bathroom here. I am walking down the street is not quality content. That's just like a blip of your life. That's like, okay. <laughs> exactly. So now the, the, the issue is everyone is like their own network, their own brand, right. whatever it is. So you are in charge. And what that means is you have to decide, you have to make big decisions that like a network would make that like a boardroom right. or like a bunch of people would come together and be like, you know what? The show is great, but it's like not perform. So like there's, there's an upside and a downside to that. You have full control of your, your content, right? which means you are the filter, which means it all comes down to you. So you have to decide, well, you know what? Fuck, I need to change. I need to grow or, you know, or not. Some people like what I see on social media all the time is there's just no end. It's like if you're, I was just talking to my friend about this. If you're like, you know, the Tim brand or something and you have your, your personal Instagram, when, like, when does that end? Or is it just constant feed for the rest of your life of Mm. content, you know? And that's like what I've been going through on YouTube is that things like, like my wife had a great reminder. She's like, you know, when you, when you have a TV show, that TV show ends at some point. Like people get sick of everything. It just happens. Like there's always like a season. Some shows go to 10 seasons. There's like a few, like Seinfeld. There's like one yeah. in a million shows <laughs> like make it right. that long. Most shows fade out in like two seasons, if that. Some make it to five. When it comes to YouTube, what I see is that there is no like, since you're in full control, no one is willing to fade out their stuff, even if it like loses momentum or people stop liking it and you're in control. That's a, that's a really powerful thing that people I think are just starting to understand. At least I am just starting to understand. Yeah. I mean, and I would hope we see things now with like, with, uh, potentially a rollback on net neutrality. I saw something today just in traveling here from, from work to your apartment, something about how the administration wants to like nationalize 5g coverage or something like that. So I saw that today as well. It does seem like in some ways the death cry of some big industries as they try to kind of corral and take control of each individual's ability to put out their own content and monetize mm. themselves. Yeah. So it's almost like going back to like having <laughs> someone else decide yeah. how much that is interesting. Cause we're so used to, um, you know, the balance being in our favor. Like I was saying, just everything's like in your control. It'd be interesting to see the adaption to the other side of like when things aren't necessarily in your full control. And there's no creative team behind you. Uh, no, just my, my brain, Josh's brain. Um, we've got, you know, we have a social media, um, person who works for us and that that's been about it for the whole, an agent who, uh, you know, helps us out. And, um, yeah, but you know, it's funny as I move forward, I'm trying to like, that's one thing that I actually miss too is like, okay, so I'm creating a new pilot for a travel cooking show. Yeah. And one of the biggest things that I missed on YouTube, 
you know, it's everything has this, this balance. And like I said, YouTube is beautiful because it's this free, you know, release of content. But again, it's like, it's very easy to get comfortable and to, um, to work by yourself, you know, cause you're your own creator. You can make videos from your bedroom, whatever it is, put out things, see how they do, do it again. But it's like, it's like a little, you know, endless and soulless at times. Mm. And you're, you're missing some fundamental parts of, um, I think what makes humans like satisfied, which is like collaboration and, um, yeah, like creatively working with people. So now moving forward, I'm trying to bring more people in so I don't fall into that like trap of my own brain. Yeah, that is interesting because if you think about the content, like food is, food is meant to be shared and yeah. like when you are, when you guys are conveying your love of food, it's meant to be a communal thing. That's interesting. Yeah, no, it, it's, uh, it, it, there's, there's, there's a balance to the whole thing. And like, I think it's great. Like it's been amazing to put out videos like that, but it also just, like you said, it's like, there's something about community and about working with people and that I was just missing. Um, that is important, but just like, you know, cause there's a, there's a, con there, the digital world is weird. It's like you put out a video and like you're connecting with people but not really, right? you know, like you're connecting digitally with people and you're seeing comments, but that's like, we're not like evolved to like total, some people are better at that. I was never great at like handling that, like that connection of, um, a digital community and that type of thing that wasn't really like super satisfying to me. Um, so some people love that. Some people like totally like are living a life, you know, on the interweb and it, it works maybe, uh, I don't know, but for me, I needed like more real life, um, connection and collaboration. Yeah. And I was thinking about this on the way over some of that connection that you're talking about. So YouTube to me of platforms that there are on the internet has, for whatever reason, like some of the most vulgar and awful and hateful comments. So I was even, and there's, there's, there's obviously tons of upside with that connection too. Like there's yeah. people where majority people love the content yeah. that you're doing, but then like I'll go through and it, Josh did one about like how, how you guys stay fit, right? Yeah. Like we're consuming all this food and it was really positive and upbeat and about like a positive mental attitude and how all that can affect the impact on your body but there's even you'll see comments where and i'm assuming this is just young people or people who are like using their anonymity but yeah. they'll just drop like i won't even repeat hate them but bombs. yeah just a hate word yeah. right and it's like what the hell yeah. like i don't know does that does that bother you at all you, you it's funny you build up like it's like a survival tolerance like you build up a pretty good immunity to that and i think most creators do and it, that's like a big thing when you're getting into it if you're not willing to take that then you're not going to be able to mm -hmm. handle like being a content creator online because it's just it happens no like if you're not people just are you know, there's people that are just pissed off and like the, the, the issue really lies in that those people, they're the loudest ones, yeah. the ones that are mad. It's like, it's like watching the news. 
you know, like the news sucks because it's so negative, but like, that's like not what the world is. That's like a little chunk of it. And people feed off negativity. Yeah. Some people. So it's, um, yeah, I mean, you get used to it and it's not saying that like a real, like mean comment doesn't hurt because we are human beings, but like you definitely grow a skin and, you know, a tolerance towards that. Yeah, it is weird how we're kind of hardwired to focus on. I mean, that's anything. It's like you could have a great day. One thing tips you off a little bit when there were five great things. I was just things, reading about like, this. In a, why am in I a, focusing on a that Tony one Robbins book? It's it's oh. a it's a psychological thing. It's called um, it's like negativity something where you it it's an evolutionary. Yeah, I was just thing. gonna say it has yeah. to be something to do with survival. But the, the question, the interesting thing is, it's it's a, it's an evolutionary thing because obviously. You know, if you're the negative stuff would be like the lion attacking you. Exactly. Okay? Yeah. And you want to focus on that so you don't die. Because that's real bad. <laughs> but the problem is it gets, you know, it, we live in a different world. So it's like not bad if someone comments on your like, what are the real effects of like someone writing a negative comment on your YouTube page? But our, we're evolved to like to think to focus on that. But like you can trick your brain into not, but we just happen to, to be evolved to focus on that. But it's not like it's, that doesn't affect our survival. Some right. asshole, like, you know, commenting, Right. it doesn't, but that's, you know, that's real life, like psychological shit. Like there's, there's, we're wired for that. Yeah, it's funny. Um, you guys have talked about sports, you know, who Wade Boggs, a uh, baseball player. Mm, I don't think so. So Wade Boggs was a baseball player, and I hope I get this story right, but he, he was on the Red Sox, and then he was on the Yankees and the Tampa Bay Rays. Okay. And I read this when I was, like, a kid, so I'm totally paraphrasing someone else's story, but whenever he would go to this one city, this one stadium, there would always be this guy, like, in the first three rows, every time, and was like, F you, Boggs, yeah. I hate you, <laughs> all this horrible stuff. And one day, like, Boggs walked up to him and shook, he's like, hey, man, I'm Wade, and shook his hand and gave him a sign ball. It's like, Dude, any of those people so, saying nasty stuff, if you were to be like, hey, man, I'm Mike, how you doing? You know they'd be like, oh, hey, what's up? That story's amazing because that's how it works yeah. in real life. If you... Most of these people just want to be loved. Yeah. That's, every human being just wants to be loved. And like, they're not getting that in their life. So they're, they're, you know, going on and you see the South Park episode. Do you watch South Park? Yeah. When he, when the, the dad's like, you know, late at night. Uh -huh. So like you're missing something in your life. Like there's a hole and like, it's like a drug. There's some type of release when you write a negative comment. So I've found that the Wade Boggs story happens pretty much every time when it comes to like, oh, I'm sorry you feel that way, you know, blah, 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 blah. You, you reply back yeah. in like a, you know, a nice manner and you just show a little bit of love. Like, look, I'm acknowledging you every time, man. It's like that story repeated. Like they just, they're like, oh, wow. I didn't think you would reply. Like, you know, I didn't really mean to like be, you know, this is just kind of like how I felt. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Rather than like, <laughs> once you fight with them too, that's the other side that just feeds the beast. Yeah. And Mike, you've also accessed like the cheat code to life, right? I mean, Everyone would, I'm sure, and we'll get into like MTV and stuff like that. I mean, you have to answer people when you do that, but largely you're your own boss. You are in charge of your own destiny. You're putting out content that you love and we'd all love to be able to do that. So I do think sometimes when you see, hey, like 
I've gotten some weird stuff on here, which is yeah. totally, I got death threats, which is, wow. <laughs> like, I don't know but, if I've gotten that. But, it, you know, I think it's just people like, maybe even subconsciously, I would love to be yeah. in Mike's shoes. So yes, yeah. for sure. I'm sure yeah. there's, there's a good amount of that. And that's, um, there's like that line, I think I read this recently about, you know, if you're not pissing someone off, then you're not like following yeah. your dreams or something. And, and it's true. It's like, as we have a tendency to not want to hurt feelings, um, but you're going to hurt feelings. Mm. There's just, you know, like everyone is in a different reality. Like these people, you don't know what they're going through. Yeah. Maybe they are just super fucking pissed off and jealous or whatever it is. But, um, that's a good point. That's it. You just, you never know whose feelings you're going to hurt for what reasons. Are you conscious of that fact that like, Hey, I haven't really worked a normal job in a pretty long time. <laughs> you get kind of used to it. Uh, my, my wife has a, um, uh, I would say normal job. So like, I'm not totally off. I call it off being off the grid. Mm. That's like, you know, the saying the grid is like, you have to wake up, go to a job, yeah. you're on the grid. Off the grid is like you're making your own schedule, whatever it is. So my wife is on the grid. So I'm I'm conscious of like both worlds pretty because I live within that world as well because we're so connected and it's like, you know, our schedules and things like that. But it's like I I don't know if there was ever another way for me personally. I just like I can't be on the grid as a human being. <laughs> no, I, I get it. I think a lot of people probably get it. But there is a balance too, you know? It's like you can't be too far off mm. as well, or you can, and you can just lose it. We were talking about, so I asked you about, like, you don't necessarily have a creative team. You do have an agent. Is, is that how, so you've had some kind of like, how do I even say this, like higher profile people that can help you get eyes on this. So like, for example, you guys used an iron and you cooked food and like Ed Sheeran ate it. Yeah. Like, so how, how did you get that connection? Is that through your agent? So we had a show on, um, okay. So there was a, we had a few TV shows. Mm. Um, first we had like a, YouTube was doing this official production series on, um, on their platform and they Google paid like $200 million and it was a big sort of experiment to see if, if like we bring in all these producers to produce high quality content, what will that do to YouTube? Mm. And the funny thing was the whole thing kind of failed. Really? We were part of the failure, which was really cool because we get we got to experience like both worlds. But right away we were involved in like high production series. Like we were doing a a series on YouTube called the hungry channel. And they were bringing in all like these food network people that were trying to do something cool and new, but there was like 20 shows on the one channel and like they were throwing a bunch of money at it. So we did three seasons of that. And that was like a real, you know, TV show. And with TV shows, the budgets, they, they can do things like that. And then we got a show on MTV and we were really, the MTV show was about us being like ambassadors to MTV. And we were these guys that would like cook for the talent that would come in. So mm. if they wanted to like promote talent, they would come through brothers green. We would cook for them, interview them. Cause we were like these chill dudes that like could handle like celebrities and not like freak out. So we were meeting a lot of MTV talent. So that was like a, that part of, of life, the, the TV side. I don't, I, so I stream all my content. So I was able to see a lot of the MTV stuff through your site. 
But was that was that on cable TV in the U.S. or was that uh, overseas? So that was on MTV International. It was um, we hooked up with MTV International because they were um, at the time they were rebranding their whole thing, their whole entire channel. So they were looking for like cool new stuff. They wanted a food show, blah blah blah. Um, so and we were different. So we needed like a rebranding to like fit in and. Um, the, the thing about MTV International was it was every, we were going to be the first show that was everywhere in the world except the U.S. because of this rebranding Whoa. thing. So that's what it was. We, we were on this show and it was aired everywhere in the world except the U.S. What kind of like opportunities have come out of that? That's incredible. Not as much as you'd probably think, yeah. to be honest, because I think ultimately like that show, they stopped it after two seasons, turned into a travel show. It was great. It was cool. Um, it was this wacky Brothers Green show. But, you know, the TV is like, we were trying to fit in with like um, Jersey Shore type shows. Right. And like that was still what people wanted to see on MTV. It was like Brothers Green coming in. And then like right after it was like Acapulco Shore, which literally was like, yeah. <laughs> that's, a, was, that's a thing? That's a thing. Whoa. <laughs> like Warsaw Shore, like these like Jersey I Shores. I never in knew different that. Co- yeah, exactly. Wow. So it didn't, it didn't fit in, didn't work out, but it was fun. Um, but yeah, TV is weird because like we would still, you know, we we were getting noticed in the streets from YouTube much more than being, you yeah. know, international TV people. I mean, that makes sense, man. Yeah. Um, I I wanted to ask you about Chopped, but I'm not sure if they made you sign like a non-disclosure. Oh, I can. That was like six years ago. Oh, I can yeah. talk about that. All right. So. Um, I think. Yeah. I can talk. <laughs> I, no, no, we've talked about it. Okay. Uh, so if. If people don't know, both you and your brother were on Chopped. Yeah. Um, is it? Do you really not know what the ingredients are going to be, or like, do you come into it like, okay, if it's this kind of meat, I'm going to make this? Like, let me ask you: Do you think that people know what the ingredients are? I think, as a consumer of it, I would think. I mean, you guys are all pros, so although they do have amateurs too sometimes, right? But I, I would feel. I would be so lost with a half hour that I would feel like you must have some sort of inclination going into it of something you could do. You don't know anything. Oh my God. And you, it wouldn't be as, it wouldn't be good if you knew. I can tell you that much. The drama comes because you don't know. It's madness. Like, and because the thing, it's set up to be madness because you, you get a tour of the kitchen for like 30 minutes. So imagine like the biggest kitchen with every single thing of, in your life that you've ever seen in a, in a market, in a, you know, a kitchen appliance store, but you tour that in like 20 minutes. So you're dealing with that. And then you're, that's the hardest part. I would say that, you know, I don't think people realize that, but it's like, you have these ingredients. The hardest part is like, okay, Oh, I need some nutmeg. Well, if I was in my kitchen, you know where it is. Yeah, but like I don't even know where the fucking nutmeg is. So that that's probably the hardest part about chopped. Did they break that ice cream machine on purpose? Because every time yeah. someone goes to make ice cream, it's broken and the next person can't use it. You know it's funny, it's kind of the same thing. They didn't show this in my episode, but it's the same thing as like people can't get the food processor to yeah. work. That's like a real life issue. Like oh. all these machines are like made differently and a food processor is like a classic machine that doesn't work. And the guy, 
I had a feeling like that this was going to happen. <laughs> the guy next to me, he, he couldn't get it to work. And I went over and I, I made it work for him. Cause I was like, okay, I figured this out in like a second, but that's just like a classic, one of those kitchen gadgets that, uh, just, you can't like, there's like one little piece that you have to snap into place. And I think that's the same thing for an ice cream maker. It's like, there's probably just one thing that people just do wrong. Okay. It's like, you know, one lever or like one thing poured in the wrong, whatever. And it just screws up. And do they turn up the heat in there? Cause whenever I'm watching, I'm like, I'm, yes. I would be one of those people that would just be pouring sweat into the food. It's there's, gross. I think it's the lights. Oh yeah. What yeah. you don't see. That's kind of crazy. Is that, there's okay you see the set and then it's just like this open black pit and there's like there's probably like 12 camera guys because they need i think oh, they need um that makes sense. they need like four camera guys on each person so let's say four times four 16 16 camera guys just like out there kind of in this black like you're playing a concert for a bunch of camera guys and they're just running around like in this little section because they need like every single to edit that show. I mean, obviously they have it down, but it must, Oh my God, that must be just arduous and intense. Think about it. 16 camera angles, something like that. Yeah. Crazy. Well, that's crazy, man. I re I really thought like, man, they must give them like some type of a, I guess people are just way better at cooking than I am. Well, I mean, some aren't, you know, <laughs> some people don't do that well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's like, ultimately you're going to produce something. Mm. You're going to, you're going to get in there and produce something. I was actually with Chopped back in the day. It's funny. That was like, because I grew up on the Food Network, there was like this thing inside of me, this like burning, like talk about like creativity. It was like this burning need to go on that show really? because it was like a test of my will. Yeah. Like I wasn't a chef, but I wanted to kind of like see if I could handle this, whatever. And I grew up on it and I just remember being so scared of it, but at the same time knowing I needed to do it. Like that was like a really, and I'm thinking back on it now, that was one of the scariest things in my career of doing that show. Cause I just, it's a scary show, yeah. you know, it's intense. You could, you could fuck up in so many ways, but I knew I needed to do it. And then once I did it, I was like, great. Okay. Now I've just never watched the show again in my life. Really? Yeah. I can't watch it anymore. Wow. Yeah. Did you, so you didn't see your own episode or you did? I saw that. Yeah. Okay. After that, that was it. But I remember I was like, I need to go on this show in order to like move on in my life. I guess I never thought about the pressure. I would think, especially for like a, a restaurant owner, like it could totally like delegitimize you. If that's you that's fail. the issue. That's <laughs> yeah. the, for us. I mean, there was pressure of just like national TV screwing up. Right. But I, there's probably a lot more pressure if you're like, I remember Josh saying that, like if you're like a legitimate chef and yeah. like you screw up, then it's a big, for us, it's like, it doesn't matter. Like we, we're not trying to be legitimate chefs. Like our, a part of our whole thing is that you can screw up. So right. like maybe it's even better. <laughs> oh, that's interesting, man. Yeah. One of your first, I guess, um, like large scale exposures was when you guys were on the Rachel Ray show. Yeah, that was the first. Yeah. I mean, you said it right. That was the first large scale. Like, do you know that story? My no. brother, um, 
That's a classic. Bringing up the oldies. <laughs> My brother, we did the first video we ever filmed in our career was a Dexter parody. And have you ever seen that? I haven't. No. Okay. So we um, we were that was like when Dexter was huge. Yeah. Do you watch Dexter? Uh, like first three seasons. Okay. Yeah. So um, so you know the intro. We yeah. copied uh -huh. the intro sequence, and but we made it about food. Okay. And the end scene was me as like oh, a victim, Saran wrapped to, oh, I'm getting some PTSD right now. We were saran wrapped to, um, I was saran wrapped to the table, like for real. And Josh pulled out an immersion blender and oh it was, God. it was like a, going to be a funny thing. Uh -huh. And something he like, he got so into it. He like kind of lost control a little bit. I remember <laughs> like, you know, like into the role, into the craziness. Uh -huh. And he accidentally like bypassed the safety and he immersion blended my my chest. Oh my yeah. god. So he he cut like a little circle into my chest. This is on video? Yeah. So what happened was I instantly <laughs> made the camera guy delete it because I didn't want to like it was the first thing we did. I didn't want to end up on like Tosh.0. Oh. I yeah, was like, yeah, just yeah. delete it. I don't ever want knowledge of this. Like I just don't want this in my life. I don't want to look back on it. And I ended up getting like eight stitches in my no chest. Way. Yeah, it was it was pretty bad, and it was funny because it was like we could say that's probably the only real, other than like real serial killing, that's probably the only like real life Dexter moment. Yeah, like where <laughs> I was like bleeding through the Saran wrap, like it happens yeah, in the show. Really so um, we got on the Rachel Ray show from that actually. No because way, because wow. she was. Something about like a brother's battle. She was looking for a brother's battle and they heard about like this story and that was the first thing. And then, yeah, that was our first, that was funny. That was so long ago. That's incredible though. Crazy story. And But the, the Dexter video without the almost murder is online still? Somewhere. Yeah. I think you can find it at brothersgreen.com. Okay. Like season one or something. Season two. Season two. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So you hinted a little bit, but you have uh, years of content um, with your brother, but it sounds like you're the, you're pitching a show that's solo. Yeah. So there's a few. It's a big transition time. And yeah, transition um, is a crazy time for any, like, sounds like you're going through some too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we can talk about that. But. I, I've, I've hinted at, I'll do like a reveal at some point. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So for anyone going through transition, just want to just have a word with you guys. Yeah. When, you know, like life is kind of like, like ups and downs, like, like a roller coaster, you know, there's sure. times where yeah. you're like fucking riding that thing down. There's times where you're like inching to the top. There's times where you're just like peeking over. And, um, with, with transition, the one thing I just want to tell people is that you, you have to like go through a painful time if you really want to change because human beings are always growing. It's like you're always changing. You're getting older. You're evolving as a person. You know, sounds like, you know, whatever. You're evolving away from a job. But a lot of people want to take the easy road and they don't want to take, mm. you know, whatever, the roller coaster ride down. Like we'll call it that, like the, the steep. No one wants to like. It's unknown. It's scary, man. The unknown. Yeah. Super scary. Yeah. Unknown scares the shit out of humans. It's some sort of evolutionary whatever. Yeah, sure. And, um, but the more and more like 
you go through it. Like I'm just going like, this is a big one for me, big transition, but you start realizing that, um, it's part of life. It's like, it's like paying taxes. Like you, you can't avoid it. You have to go to the unknown if you want to change and you want to grow and you want to be fulfilled and satisfied. So yeah, for me, it's been about the last few years. Like I kind of came into, um, I came into, New York with my own sort of dreams. Um, and as I, what happened was Josh and I just like, you know, it worked out. It was like, oh, he needed a roommate. We moved in together. No, no intentions of like working together. And it was just like, let's, let's do this. It's like a survival thing almost. Like you have these skills. I have these skills. We're both like trying to make it. We're both broke. So we've joined forces. Over time, we created Brothers Green, but in that time, I lost sense of like my original intentions or mm. my original dreams. So, like, part of the transition was kind of regaining, regaining that back, regaining the confidence in myself, um, which is which was difficult because when you're like, say, you're in a job, you know, say you're a teacher. And you've been doing it your whole life. Is like you're now attached to this certain set of things you you do, people you work with. Then there's the unknown, which is something different, but something's drawing you towards that, and you have to jump in there. You gotta release those attachments, and that hurts, and that's painful, and that takes time. Most importantly, to anyone out there who's dealing with the unknown. It takes time and don't, you don't have to rush it. You're not going to like, the classic is like, let's jump from job to job. And like, maybe that's going to fix something. But if it, there's, you can't, you can't avoid paying taxes. You have to jump into the hole. And yeah, so that's where I've been for the last few years, but I'm finally kind of coming, um, coming around the other side and I'm feeling uh, pretty good about riding the roller coaster back up, I would say. Well, you mentioned kind of reconnecting with your original intention and your original dream. Yeah. Are you comfortable like uh, elaborating on that? Like what yeah. that dream is? Yeah. I mean, I think the dreams are, they're always changing, of course, but I think one of it was just like, so I'm creating a, a cooking, a travel cooking show. And I think the first thing you said you saw was something on our rooftop. Yeah. I, I don't, th I don't remember if we were recording yet, but the very first video I saw of you guys, I believe Man, I, I really think it was like seven, eight years ago. And yeah, you had a rooftop garden and someone was playing guitar and it was awesome. Yeah. So the funny thing about that is that was, you know, a show that I wanted to make. Um, like the first episode we ever did was a show that I, I just had the urge. I was like, you know, I was writing in my journal. Like I want to do this show where we're outside cooking in my garden. You know, we've got these ingredients and we went up and we just filmed like whatever felt right. And my brother actually came in because he was like, I don't know, he was busy doing something and he saw we were filming and he came in. When he came in, the, the filmmaker that was filming us caught this dynamic mm. of Brothers Green. That was the first, that was the dynamic wow. of like two different personalities. He's doing it that way. I'm doing it this way. Whoa, clashing. This is like dramatic. This is fun. That's where it all started. Uh -huh. So like my original thing was like I wanted to make a cooking show by myself in this garden. Okay. Not saying like, you know, like the Brothers Green is incredible. We've created, but it was those were part of my original dreams. So once we 
went together, then that's a new creation. That's a creation that's like a little bit outside yourself, but it's something different. So like then we started focusing more on college and, and that stuff. But I always wanted to create a show that was about like, you know, what I really loved, which was cooking for people, which was cooking outside, um, you know, cooking with like fresh ingredients. So that's the show that I'm creating now. We, we filmed a pilot and it's about, you know, finding finding these things out in the world like that we were talking about, finding more community. How do communities come together through food? Mm. You know, how does food create like life-changing experiences? These types of things, working with like fresh ingredients in like crazy locations. So that's one part of the uh, the change. So that's you traveling the world. Yeah. So we filmed wow. the pilot. We're pitching it right now. Um, again, kind of jumping into the, you know, into the black hole of like, something that doesn't exist. Um, that's what this show is. So oh, yeah, awesome. it was, it was fun and worked with some really cool people in Montreal, um, this production team out there. And it, it's funny cause it's almost like goes back in time. And it, re it reminds me more of like the first show I ever created, which was freaking eight years ago. Mm which is weird. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it has more, it has more similarity to the show I created eight years ago than anything I've done on brothers green in the, wow. in the last. Yeah. It's not crazy. Is that pilot episode in Montreal or is it just the companies from Montreal? No. So we, the companies from Montreal, we filmed in this tiny fishing village called Magdalene Island. And, um, you know, the idea is when you're in Canada, yeah, it's, it's off the coast of Quebec. Oh, okay. So it's in Canada. It's, um, it's like an a strong Acadian place, mm. really like heavy French Acadian accent. Uh -huh. So the idea is when you're filming a, a pilot, especially a travel show, you don't you're self funding it, so you don't have the the money. Well, you could be. We were in this in this um, you know in this situation, so you don't have all this money to like fly gear around. So mm. what's like the coolest place you can go to, most exotic that you on a budget? Yeah. So that was this place. And most people have no idea what huh. Magdalene Island is, but it's kind of like a popular destination, a uh, vacation destination in, say, Quebec. So other people see it. They're like, oh, that's cool. You, this is like a real, turns out it's just like, you know, it's this little island. It's still like you, you got to travel like from Montreal. It's 12 hours to get to the wow. coast of um, Prince Edward Island. Then it's five hours on a boat to get to this place. Wow. Yeah. What other places like would be on your wish list to feature on the show? Everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're a traveler, you yeah. know. I think... I, I want to go deep. I want to like, hmm. if I'm going to do a travel show, I want to um, like in bed, you know, I, the, it's especially like I've got a wife, you know, when we travel, like we're on a budget, whatever, this would be a chance to like do things that I could never do hmm. in real life. So like, if that means like living in a village for like a week in, yeah. you know, freaking Vietnam or something. That's what I want to do. And I want to see how people are experiencing food because yeah. food is such a food is life, you know, it's survival and I, and it brings people together and community. And I, I want to really like, it's so messed up in America. It's so backwards. So I want to like go out and experience that and then bring it back and see, bring back my knowledge. Yeah. That's brilliant, man. It's funny too. It's kind of, there are, without trying to sound like super PC, there are like subtle 
almost like ethical, maybe that might not even be the right word, but I'll give you an example. Like there, there are nuances to being someone from America that's, that's traveling to places. Mm. Like I was in Kenya and, and, and I was, I was always like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll eat the thing that sounds the craziest. Yeah. And I'll do, you know, I did the snake heart in Vietnam. I've eaten jellyfish. Yeah. Um, and when I was in Kenya, we went to a, a Maasai village and, um, oh man, it's, it's an amazing experience, but I had seen someone on TV. It might've been like Andrew Zimmer yeah. drink goat Probably. Blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, like cool. I'm going to do this. And I was, and they don't have a whole lot of, of, of meat there and it's in severe drought. So a lot of the cattle are dying out and they went and they got this goat and they're like, yeah. Um, and for some reason it didn't register in my head. Like, yeah, they're going to kill a whole animal just for yeah. me. Oh, and so they wow. were going to, they literally had this goat and they were going to kill the goat, um, prick its neck. And for me, and I was like, Oh no, like, I can't be like the, you were in a village somewhere or like, yeah, it was a Maasai village. Okay. And I just, I backed out at the last seconds ago. Yeah. I was just like, I, I feel like an ass just, just Blood killing your hands. Yeah, just killing the goat just for me when yeah. he, they told me like, Oh, we don't kill these every day. We do it like once a week. Yeah. So I was like, I, you know, I can't do that. Um, and this is cause you wanted to try the blood. Yeah. Like I thought like, Oh, this would be so, were they going to use the meat? I, I'm assuming so, Yeah. but it wasn't like, it wasn't on schedule to do it at that time, ah. I guess. I mean, it's quite different from what you'd be doing, but there are still, I don't know, sometimes, and I'm not comparing what you'd be doing to this, but sometimes like, I, I love Bourdain, like he's awesome, but yeah. like, you know, he, in his episode in Namibia, he like warthog anus. And yeah. honestly, like that's for, I think like for views. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it would be fascinating if you were able to embed yourself within cultures and experience that. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, I mean, it is scary. Like you're mm. saying, you know, you're going out and you're, you're kind of to film it and expose yourself. But I think there's something, um, I think that becomes more of the show. It's like, there's something about travel that opens like a really life-changing experience because just when you break your bubble open and I'm willing to like, I don't think there's many shows that are exposing that like, okay, there's Bourdain. He goes like, and his show's incredible. I think mm -hmm. that's like the top travel show. Yeah. But I, I want to really expose to like what a human being goes yeah. through when they, um, when they travel, because that's why people travel. Like there's this urge to change, you know, right. There's like, you want to, you, you're just like fucking looking around and you're like, ah, oh, you know, there's this, there's this urge to be in a different world and experience new things. So you can grow. I think that's like a, that's part of being human is like, you want that challenge. You want to change. So I want to capture that as well. Yeah, man, that's, that's beautiful. Like we've talked about this, or I've talked about this. I always say we as if there's like a whole bunch of people on my side. <laughs> there but could be. Yeah, like the way I grew up, I wasn't quite such a, a people person. And, yeah. you know, but traveling, that's, that's been the best part. I've always said like one of the coolest things I've done is uh, there's a park, which is now gone in, in, in Vietnam, uh, in district one by Bentan market, they're now building this high speed rail. So oh, it's wow. like it, goodbye park, but college students hang out there at night. And when a Westerner comes or an English speaking person, they just want to talk and practice. Their English. Oh, that's cool. 
And so I, I had this like full-fledged conversation with this girl in, she's Vietnamese, but we were speaking German. Like that was like our common tongue, like this girl from Vietnam and this guy from America was German. And like wow. more than eating a snake car or doing crazy things and hiking a volcano, like that stuff's like, it's awesome. And they sound real cool and they've made for cool episodes. But that human connection that I've been able to have has shaped me so much ah. to where I don't think I ever would have been able to do this podcast. Mm. And it's what spurred it. Like, I'm here with Mike because Mike does an awesome thing that I'm interested in and I've gained that confidence and even that interest in people from going around the world and just being exposed to people. That's really, that's, yeah, that's good to just to think about. It's true. It's like human connection is huge and that's something to really explore and focus on because I don't know if a lot of shows are, you're right. It's like, let's go hike this volcano or like fish for this thing. Like your brain wants to go there, but that's actually really, that's got me thinking of like, okay, but also keep the focus on just like what I was saying, like embedding into the community and like meeting people and really experiencing what they're, you know, how they're living. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I'm getting, I'm going to get like a little meta here, I guess, but um, we talked about, the connection that's not a real connection necessarily because it's through digital communities. And some of it is quite real, but again, like you can avoid real difficult, scary situations by like, I can break up with a girl through a text. I can avoid having this meaningful conversation. I even like, I still get nervous when I do this. I was a little bit nervous coming up, but that's one of the things I I always like to do before we start recording is, is talk a little bit, get to know someone and, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know, these conversations with people that I've been able to have, especially while traveling, they just, they really do shape you. It might sound cheesy, yeah. but you do bring those lessons into real life. I think that's like why, you know, that's ultimately why at this point in my life I want to do this because I'm just looking to grow mm. and learn and like, I think that can happen from the other people. And it's funny because when we were in Magdalene Island, there's this one guy we interviewed and, you know, he didn't know, no one knows what you're fucking doing. Um, so he, you know, he's telling us we were at a goat farm. He's telling us about his, his operation. And then like, he has us over for like, you know, drinks and like kind of like a little dinner that night. And he's like, you know, telling us the real stuff we want to hear. And he's like, Oh, if I would have known you guys were like, cool, like (laughs) I would have gotten into this, but that's what I want to do is like embed to the point where you can have real conversations with people, not just like we're whipping out the cameras and like, because that's the stuff, like you said, that's really the game changer. Yeah. I think you, I think, I mean, you would also benefit with this show from like anywhere that Anthony Bourdain goes in the world, he's Anthony Bourdain. He's on CNN. Yeah. While you guys have quite a following, still Mike Greenfield can go somewhere uh, and yeah. not no be known yet. And so yeah. you can have a real authentic interaction it's with true. someone. It's true. You got to enjoy those, kind of enjoy the early days. Yeah. Everyone wants to be big, but it's like, then you're like a thing. Yeah. Like an Anthony Bourdain. Like Bourdain's amazing because he like, you know, you go to Vietnam and you go to that Bon Me chick and she, mm-hmm. and my brother said like, she's got a little sign with Bourdain. Yep. Like that's the game changer. If he comes and, you know, yep. and visits, visits your little restaurant or whatever. I always think about that man, because I've been to the one, there's one soup lady. And then there's one lady in Chiang Mai in Thailand. She still sells it for a dollar. Uh, it's the lady in the cowboy hat. Oh yeah. Oh, it's freaking delicious, yeah. man. 
But yeah, it's like these people do benefit greatly from that and get a lot of wealth. You're now the person featured on the show, which, but selfishly, at least for me, it's like, you're also kind of killing the thing you love. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a dilemma for yeah. sure. And that's just entertainment. And like, you know, it's the same idea. Like there's this with a uh, Guy Fieri show is, you know, it's like the biggest show in the country diners, drives and dives. And you, you say there's one meal, you become famous for like this one meal. And I hear that people are just like, shit, I don't want to like, I've got this restaurant that I love. I love mm. cooking for people. And now like everyone's coming here for my like pork ribs or something. Yeah. And it's like a thing. So it's, it's, a, it's an interesting balance. And I think that's hard because you have to respect that as like, uh, you know, Anthony Bourdain or me going to these places. It's like, you do want to keep that culture intact, but yeah. you also want to, expose it you know it's has the has the pilot generated interest so no not shocking (laughs) (laughs) um we're just we just started pitching it okay Um, so if there's anyone out there that wants to see it somehow contact me life by mike g on instagram but um we're we're just pitching it out now and you know that's again that's a scary yeah the good thing is that I've that has helped me. I've realized this process. I've never had to like pitch anything. Um, we've always just been kind of found. But when you're doing something new, it's like you're starting over. Like people know me for Brothers Green. How are they going to know that I'm doing something else? So it reminds me of what I hear being an actor is like, where you you're like pitching yourself Mm. and you're it's like this self-esteem thing like what are these people gonna think of me you know and that is very vulnerable but well I also I've heard this a lot like when it comes to acting you always want to be like writing your own stuff so you have like your own identity and soul that you don't need to be like constantly judged on like do they like me it's like doesn't matter I'm doing my own thing right so it's given me this process of like pitching and making this show it's giving me time to um, to create things on the home front that are mine, that I make, that it doesn't matter what like other people think necessarily. So I've been working on that too, which is exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually creating a, um, I'm currently creating a sourdough online like masterclass. Oh, yeah. Because cool. yeah. I've been super into bread making. And a lot of people, like, there's something about bread. I mean, it's bread. It's like everyone appreciates bread, um, unless you're like celiac and you can't have it. But you can, can't you eat sourdough if you have gluten intolerance? So, gluten intolerance is different than celiac. Okay. Celiac is when you're like allergic to gluten. But, okay. you know, there's still levels to celiac. Some people are really extreme, some people aren't. Then there's gluten intolerance. Which that's a big reason why, uh, like, I'm so into this movement of bread and want to turn people on because, it you know, there's there's multiple reasons why um, why something someone with gluten intolerance could potentially digest sourdough bread a lot more easily. Okay. So yeah, so this course is about. You know, with YouTube, it's like you're constantly playing the social media game and you're constantly. Um, you're thinking about what people are going to think of this stuff. And I wanted to create something where like I'm bringing people in who want to learn um, just because they want to learn. And it's not like, oh, I need to get your attention and like make this trendy and like get a bunch of views. 
So this has been a really fun switch for me, like creating more of just an educational platform, which is what I really enjoy doing is teaching people how to cook. Um, so this is kind of like the beginning of that, which I've been loving. Yeah, I love that. You you guys have, um, and maybe I'll, I'll say you, you have a lot of cooking information that is quite scientific because you do a lot of fermentation stuff with you, you brew beer or kimchi yeah. and sauerkraut and things like that, which does require a knowledge of science. You know, it's so funny. I'm glad you brought that up because this class has opened up a new hmm. thing for me. I like... So I didn't really like school, to be honest, um, coming from, no, to a principal. Yeah, yeah really? Yep. I, I, the p- miserable in high school. Really? I hated it. How did you get into education? So it was more like the social stuff um, okay. that I didn't like. But initially I was like, okay, I'm going to get into education and I'm going to teach the real shit, the stuff that they, yeah. that they censored us from and all that uh, stuff. Like, I'm going to change lives. Like, So that was it. But it... Man, same. I school was not for me when I was young. Okay. Like I did quite well. But you got you thought your your intentions were that you wanted to like teach the real shit. Yeah, I wanted especially at eighteen years old. I was like, man, I'm gonna be real radical. <laughs> yeah. And then what happened? Well, you don't quite understand much when you're eighteen and you don't understand that sure. there's there's government bureaucracy yeah. involved. There's if your school doesn't perform well on state tests, there's all that kind of stuff. So uh, I've managed to to work within those systems, but not quite as radically as I yeah. thought it would have when I was young. Got it. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, yeah. So, you know, when it comes to um, when it comes to school, uh, wasn't a wasn't a big um, wasn't a big fan, especially science. Like, not really my my thing. But I've been like with this class form. I don't even think on YouTube I would like break down the science. Mm. But this class, I have a whole entire section on the science of bread making. And it's been so enjoyable and like like drawing animations and like spending time to break down the stuff that actually will help you understand what you're doing. Um, so I never thought I would be doing that. But it's like, whoa, this is like, wait maybe I do like school. (laughs) I like education, but just this is like a new form of school. So it's been, um, that's been really fun. Yeah. And I think, I mean, maybe I'm going off the rails here a little bit, but like you talk quite well, you have a lot of books here. Like clearly you like educating yourself. And that's sort of the same thing with me. Like I I would read books like crazy it was just like the the structure and the system of education was not for me. I remember talking to my mom at the end of um, at the end of college, and I was like, "I can't wait till I can just read my own books." You know, <laughs> yeah. like yeah. it's funny because my my wife is she's currently in uh, grad school, and she um, she likes more structure. Like she likes school, mm. and I never like got that. But she really like, you know, there's a range to that too, but she does like more structure. I like education. That's a very good point, but I just don't like too much structure. Or maybe it's just like, I like specifically learning about certain things, you know, like bread. Well, I mean, that fits what you're doing with your life. You know, you're, you're creating your own structure for your occupation in your life. Yeah, that's true. It's cool though. You're talking about, you know, just... It's like we, yeah, we have education. We ha- we're teachers inside of us. So we just have to release it in the right. Because clearly, yeah, you, know, you like teaching. You just got to find like yeah. the right outlet. 
It is we're all teachers. We're all we are all every human being is a teacher. I think every human being like can teach something because we all have specific knowledge. It's just what? And I think it's good to educate other people. I mean, you're so you're heading in a real exciting direction. So is this, for now, a hiatus or an end to the collaborative Brothers Green stuff? So we're still moving along, and we've got some ideas. Um, but again, it's like, you know, we're, we're pretty open about this as well, which I think is, you know, we're trying to be as, as honest as possible and as transparent in this switchover because, yeah, that's life. It's like things don't last forever. It's like how many bands... How yeah, many yeah. bands have made it 20 years? Like three, you know, like not three, but like out of all of those bands, collaborations are weird. They're very strange things and people have different needs. And like, you know, there's solo projects and like, you know, you, you shouldn't be ashamed. And I think I honestly was, I say that because I was a bit ashamed, like the the feelings of, moving on from like this fan base and stuff, you definitely feel that you feel a little bit like, Oh, am I letting these people down? Am I, is this right? And that's blood. That's your brother. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But it, it's like, you know, you start gaining more confidence and you're like, ah, I need to do this for myself. And that's, you know, that's important. You gotta, you gotta figure these things out for yourself. Yeah. You know, We've been talking about this, but this has come up, and I'm really glad you kind of brought it in this direction. If let me know if you need to check on that. Oh, we're good. Yeah, cool. no, I just say 15 more minutes. Yeah, and we're perfect. Cool. Yeah, all right. We got a bread in the oven. Yeah, and Mike's got a meeting. Um, yeah, bread, I've got a couple of silly oven. things. What's that? Bread in the oven, <laughs> sourdough as we speak. Always on like a sourdough schedule, but I love it, dude. I love sourdough. That's my schedule. Talk about. Uh, <laughs> on grid, I'm on the grid of sourdough bread that controls my life. I, I've got a couple quick silly things to ask you, but before yeah. that, I just wanted to, like I was saying, we've we've talked about this a lot here, and you kind of brought it in this direction, which I'm really happy about. But I've had this really, I've been so fortunate to have such an awesome, diverse guest list here of yeah. people that inspire me. Like I can't believe I get to talk to them. Uh, I mean, such as yourself. Um, Thank you. and one thing that we're, Oh, I'm always, cause I'm always kind of picking people's brains and it is how you, how you kind of live a life that, that, that you want to live. And we talked about, you have to, to take the plunge to do the scary thing. And we've, I've given a zillion movie references, I think in this conversation, yeah. but there's, I'll give one more and then I'll shut up about it. But in the movie Donnie Darko, which you've probably yeah. seen, yeah, it's been quite a while since I've seen it. But I remember like there's a whole predestination thing in that movie, and uh, the main character has a vision of it was either himself or his sibling or someone in his house following this like there's this energy coming out of their chest, and okay. basically it's showing it's like a train on a track. The person's just following it as they move through life, and I think for a lot of people that is how life is. And I felt that like it's, it's five o'clock beep, 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 bell, uh, your alarm goes off. I walk straight to the coffee machine. Then I walk straight to iron my clothes. Not because these are conscious decisions, mm. but because I'm following the track through life that I do. And after a while, I think it's like when you're driving a car and you like get to a destination and, you zone out, yeah. and you're just like, Oh, 
here yeah. now. And it's like, these aren't necessarily conscious, rational decisions. It's just what I have to do to fill my role for my job or the path yeah. my life has taken. Fill your role for your ego. Yeah. And <sighs> at, at 31, I could see how quick it happens. And I could see in 30 years, waking up one day and being like, whoa, this is what I've done. And so I do, I, I'm wondering if, if we can maybe put a cap on and if you can just, if you have any initial, uh, initial any final thoughts on choosing the path that makes you happiest and and living it. Because mm. it is quite like, it's like, uh-oh, what about health insurance or job security or disappointing my partner or my family? But in the end... Well, one <laughs> thing I think is is avoiding just chasing like the pursuit of happiness. I find that that... I, th I think if you shift it more to the pursuit of like fulfillment or intention, that's what I've been focusing a little bit more on. I think you'll be more fulfilled. Like mm. happiness is a, is a feeling and like this stuff, like I said, you know, this going down the roller coaster, going up one, you might be happy. One, you might be fucking scared. Mm. One, you might be shit in your pants, whatever. Like, they're all different feelings and none of them are bad. They're just part of like human emotion. So it's more like, what are your intentions that keep, keep you going rather than like, Oh, I want to be, you know, happy in this life. It's like, I'm, I'm chasing more of the, the fulfillment. Cause that, that just gives me a stronger intention of like, I can always come back on, um, on what that is. And maybe, maybe that is happiness for some people and that gives you a, a drive, but that that's maybe, one for me. Maybe purpose is the word purpose fulfillment. Yeah. yeah. Some that, that, that helps. Cause that will give you like a, that will give you a, a core to always come back. Like I try to remind myself of that as much as possible. It's hard because there's distractions, but you know, coming back to that, meditating on that, really thinking about your, your, your purpose, what, you know, we all have it in there. That's mm. the thing. It's like, we're really just trying to reconnect to like when we were kids, when we didn't have so many walls. Cause that's what happens. You, you know, as a, you're, you're free, you're like this kid that's free. And then, you know, as you go on, people are telling you things and there's trauma and there's events and whatever. And you just start building up walls that like keep you, if you have walls, you're on that path. Like you said, you're just like, you've got these two walls now or three walls and you're just like following, you know, through yeah. those walls. And it's just about destroying those and you don't have to destroy them all in one uh, go. Every like, every wall you break down is a accomplishment. Every time you're like, you know what? I'm, you know, I'm going to do something different today that's an accomplishment every podcast you do and it is like you know it's it's a journey i think one of the the num the number one thing i've seen from people who are want to create and don't create is that they just don't do it they're like they mm. build up this end vision in their head and they want to get to that end vision they see it and they want that they without want the, the work though without the work <laughs> yeah. and the yeah. problem is life is that roller coaster and life is the work. And it's like just reminding yourself of that is huge because 
you're allowed to fail along the way. You're allowed to do whatever happens along the way. And it doesn't have to be this end vision. It's more about just doing, which is important. Instead of like, if you set yourself up right away for this is the way it's going to be, that's when people never start because they, it's, it's not only, it's unrealistic. It's unattainable to like, just get to that dream right away. You know, a lot of successful people say it's the journey because uh, like without having something to strive for, once you get to the goal, it's like, okay, what now? Yeah, yeah. exactly. It, it really, and that's true. A great example is 1 million followers. Yeah. It's like, you know, you get there and all right, now it's like, right. The cool. world didn't turn golden all of a sudden. No, <laughs> not at all, you know? And it's like for anyone chasing social media follows and stuff, like, there's, it's good to have goals, but at the same time, just, just remember that like I was just, I'm building an Instagram following now life by Mike G and you, I'm just as inspired with 10,000 subscribers as I am with a million. Mm. It's not like, you know, it doesn't really, it's just a number. Right. And like how many of those million are bots and like weird stuff? Yeah. (laughs) Maybe all of them. Um, all right, man. Hell yeah. All right. I'm going to end with a couple. I wrote down some silly quick things. Um, cause we went pretty deep here. Yeah. Love it. All right. Though. Best thing for irregardless of gender, best thing to cook to impress your date. Irregardless, okay. regardless. So when you're, when you're cooking for a date, just Keep it simple, number one. I'm not going to give you a specific thing because that's like, you know, whatever. You got to be inspired by what you want to cook. But keep it simple because the last thing you want to do is like be flustered. Mm. Also, if you can keep it interactive, like I always say, like make pizzas. Maybe they you oh, get really? her involved or him involved. And now it's interactive and that's kind of like sensual, like yeah. rolling out dough and stuff. So yeah, two two tips. Maybe Pro stay tips. away from gas inducing foods too. Yeah. Awesome. And and also just like anything you cook is like better than any restaurant you're gonna go out to. So mm. you guys have so much passion about food and there's so much enjoyment in your videos. What's a food that you don't like? Mm, I'm trying to think if it, it if that exists. I'm sure <laughs> it exists somewhere. Um Food cooked without love. Okay. <laughs> Seriously, like, <laughs> like if I, you know, that's why, like, it, when I go to a restaurant, I got to know, like, I don't have to know. I can have a bad experience, but I, I, I like to know that this person cares, and that's when the food's going to taste good more than, like, this restaurant's, like, highly reviewed. Like, I've mm-hmm. had bad experiences at really good restaurants because it's just, you know, someone who doesn't care about cooking it. If you could do a cooking collaboration with any celebrity chef that you haven't already, like you've been on Rachel Ray, yeah. if you could do a collab, who would it be with? I used to say Jamie Oliver because that was like my guy. Uh-huh. But then I realized like, I feel like it's better to not, like to leave your sort uh-huh. of celebrity crushes out of real life yeah. because then they become real and then it's like not as cool. Um, so I used to say that. Celebrity chef. Um, I would say someone who's going to like, I don't know if there's anyone on my mind right now. Probably someone who's just like a master at some something that I can like learn from. I don't have anything on my mind right now, but someone who I can really just like 
like spend a few hours and learn something magnificent. Okay. I like that. All right. Two more and then I'll, okay. um, favorite country or best country that you've eaten food in outside of the United States. Well, Vietnam is definitely the yeah. food. There is like the combination between French cuisine and Asian cuisine. Southeast Asian is phenomenal is crazy. Um, I always tell people like that's a reason to go to Vietnam. It really, food. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, I think it's one of the best cuisines and like personally it just hits. I'll just leave it at that. All right. Yeah. Beautiful. And then, uh, you've expressed so much uh, your appreciation for, for cooking yourself and home cooked food. But, uh, one place like the go-to for anyone coming to Brooklyn here in Brooklyn, where it's like, all right, Mike, we can go to one place tonight, any place, where would it be? So direct in like my, in my direct neighborhood, let me think of that. There's a few spots like Talday. Have you ever heard of that? No. Talday is a really good spot. He was on Top Chef. Okay. Um, Brooklyn. Oh my God. That's so hard. Cause it's really like whatever I'm feeling. I just, um, yeah, I'll support local Park Slope. Okay. Um, Talday is good. La Fonda. Um, Bricolage is Vietnamese down oh, yeah. on Fifth Ave. That's great. Awesome. I'm such a fanboy, but have you been to Pac Pac? Yes, yeah, I have been. I my, my friend Derek, um, I'll, I'll shout him out, Make Bistro on Instagram. Cool. He is a, he's like, he's like the new Andy Ricker. Like he oh. travels to Thailand and is like, and he, he doesn't have a restaurant, but like, when I go to Pac, like I would rather have his food because oh, yeah? he's like he's like a master. He's That's a master sweet. Thai chef. But Pac Pac is check that pretty out. cool. Just for getting those like traditional flavors. All right, brilliant. Is there so you plug your Instagram, but take a moment, I guess, to plug anything that people should check out. Yeah, Brothers Green. We have a catalog of videos. Um, you know, spanning years, just anything to inspire you to cook. It's a great start. Instagram is life by Mike G. Um, oh, sourdough. You is coming soon. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask about that. It's, ca it's called sourdough. You, you can find it on my Instagram. That's coming in about the next month. And that's like the most extensive guide to cooking sourdough bread, making sourdough bread on the internet. And it's so simple and broken down and you guys are going to love it. Awesome. And yeah. that's just like a subscription fee or? Yeah, like it will be a fee to buy the class and okay. then there's going to be a, a few levels. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, hell yeah, man. Yeah, Listen. Thank, I, I do want to say something to you. Uh, Thanks for doing this, man. Uh, of course. I think, um, you know, this This is uh, the fact that like, like I don't often get to do these types of things. Mm. So you as a podcast host. <laughs> You, I think it, it really, you know, just the communication and asking these questions, I think it's very satisfying to people. Like for me, this is awesome to do. I get to just like talk about things that I've had on my mind for a while, communicate to you, communicate to fans. So I think that's just incredible. Even just at that level that you get to like, you get to give that to people, which is really cool. So keep, keep this up. I think it's, and you're great at it. So oh, cheers. Thanks, yeah. man. Really appreciate that. And, uh, likewise, thank you so much for doing this. Um, in addition to doing something that's entertaining for people, I hope that, you know, people can take some advice. You dropped a lot of awesome nuggets today. So, uh, appreciate you, man. Life nuggets. See you guys. All right. As always, everybody, thank you for tuning in and please take care it's, of each it's other. It's bread time. <laughs> <laughs>